Today, we're going to talk about going all in for Jesus Christ. Now, when I think about going all in, I, I, honestly, I don't think about my faith. I think about playing cards. Anybody else? Yeah, so I love to play cards, especially strategic card games. I mean, I like to play Rook. I like to play Spades. I mean, anything but Phase 10, I will play when it comes to cards. If you played Phase 10, you get that because it takes seven days to finish a game of Phase 10, okay? So Jessica, my wife, loves to play as well. We used to play all the time when we first got together until we started having these little creatures that run our lives now. But we would sit down with her dad and her granddad, and we would just play for hours but honestly, it's a wonder we even got met, uh, married because she is super competitive. I'm not, she is, and she, well, maybe we both are okay. And, and we would constantly fight and just, well, honestly, we talk trash anytime we played cards and I would usually win, I think. Um, but that, that's us. But what really drove me crazy about when we would play cards together, she never played correctly. Anybody else ever play with someone who didn't play cards right? Yeah, okay, so this one game we played all the time is called Oh Heck, and it's where you have a trump suit. I'll teach you someday. You can come over our house, okay? And there's always a trump suit every, every hand. And see, she would always play wrong because she would play them at the beginning. But you're supposed to play them at the end. And so she would make, that's how I think you should play. And she would make me so mad every game because she would play incorrectly. Or it's because she would beat me. One of those two things are true. I'm not too sure which one it is. But my favorite car game by far is No Limit Texas Hold'em, okay? I love to play poker. I can sit for hours and play and play. I never liked limit poker because if you play cards, you know, there's a limit to how much you can wager, but no limit, ah, you can go all in. No limit, you can say, hey, I'm risking it all. When you have the best hand or think you have the best hand, when you think you can just beat everybody there, you say, here's everything I have. I'm going all in, and it's so much fun. Unless you lose, then it's not very fun just to let you know. But there's a thrill, and you understand this. There's a thrill about saying everything here is at stake. I'm putting everything on the line right now. But even if you don't play cards, you probably understand about going all in where you don't hold back. If you've been married or perhaps you're getting married or you are married, you went all in on that relationship, didn't you? You rearranged your finances, you arranged your goal, you rearranged your living arrangement for this marriage. Maybe for your education, you went all in. You went all in on the specific career field or this, you know, this degree hoping that it would pay off later. Maybe you went all in for a specific trade or company, hoping, hey, I'm gonna give this company everything. Hopefully it's gonna pay off at the end. Maybe you went all in on a specific sport. You're saying, here, this is what I'm gonna do. This is how I'm gonna train. This is uh, the sport I'm gonna go all in on. Hopefully it's gonna be a scholarship or something else involved with it. See, going all in, and, and you get this. We already know we're just getting on the same page this morning, is where you give your whole heart, your mind, and your strength, everything you are to something. But the thing about going all in is there's a risk. See, when you go all in with that marriage, you're hoping that that person stays committed, aren't you? When you're going all in on that education or that degree, you're hoping you can actually find a job in that field. When you go all in in that career, you're hoping that this company's gonna last and that, hey, that retirement will be there when you get done. When you go all in on that sport, you're hoping that it will pay off all those hours of training all those things you said no to for it will get you that scholarship or that contract one day. You know, people go all in for all sorts of things in life, and you probably know different, and you have too. 
But what about, what about for your faith? What are you willing to risk to get serious about your faith with Jesus Christ? Are we willing to get uncomfortable? Are we willing to be bold? Are we willing to be humiliated for Jesus Christ? I mean, let's be honest, we'll do just about anything for more money, that next promotion, that scholarship, you'll move anywhere, you'll go anywhere. I mean, nothing's off limit. And when it comes to our faith, what do we hold back? So my goal today is simply to encourage you to take that next step of faith, to go all in for Jesus Christ. Those areas in your life that you're holding back, those things that you've kept to yourself, those things you're saying, well, I'm, I'll push this in, but this is for me. You can't have this. This is for me. Like, I, I'm protecting this. I want you to think about just laying everything you are and just pushing it all in for Jesus Christ this morning. Because there's only one thing worth going all in for. There's only one thing that has a payoff like nothing else. And what I want you to do is just all that makes you you, everything that you is to push it in for Jesus Christ. And so here's where we're gonna go today. I wanna show you what it looks like to be all in. I wanna explain the mindset to becoming all in. And then I wanna show you why it's far riskier not to. Those are the three things we're gonna talk about. So let's look at, if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and open up to 1 Kings chapter nine, if not, excuse me, 19. If not, it'll be here back on the screen behind me. We're gonna look at one of the craziest people I believe in the Bible. I'm rather adventurous. I like to take risk. I think it's just my nature, I'm not sure. But this guy scares me especially if you make fun of them for being bold, okay? If you don't get that, it's because you don't read your Bible. You need to read it sometimes, all right? Look it up. If you have your Bible with you, 1 Kings chapter 19, we're gonna talk about a guy named Elisha. Here's what's going on in the story so far. We see this guy named Elijah with a J, who's a powerful prophet, does amazing things for God. God told him it was time to call his predecessor to go find Elisha, and so he goes. Elijah's job's over, his ministry's over, over, and this is how we're introduced to Elijah. First Kings 19, 19 says this. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shapheth. And he was plowing 12 yoke of oxen and he himself with driving the 12th pair. So, so here's the picture. We see Elijah finds Elisha. It gets confusing. I, we're all well aware of that. And he is working. He's at his job. Elisha is doing what he's been doing for years, doing what his father did, doing what his grandfather did. You know, just a regular old day at the office, just like you, wherever you go, day in, day out. Elisha's just sitting there working, plowing the fields. But notice Elijah isn't at the temple. He's not a priest. His father's not the special religious person. He's just a regular old guy doing what he does. Verse continues, it says, Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. This seem weird to anybody else? First of all, if you're walking around wearing a cloak, how awkward would that be today, okay? Yeah, but imagine if you're just doing your job and someone just throws their jacket around you. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too sure what's, what's happening right now. But what Elijah knew is everybody knew who Elijah was. He's the powerful prophet who did some crazy things for the Lord. And this is Elijah symbolically passing the torch to Elijah. He's, he's transferring it over, says, hey, you're on deck, you're up, come on with me. And so as it says, Elijah left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, then I will come with you. So think about this. Evidently, Elijah wasn't one for conversation. 
This man's in the field plowing, Elisha is plowing with his oxen. Elijah comes up, throws his cloak and walks away. Don't even talk to him. Don't even say, here I am, here's what's going on. Just throws it and just continues walking like, we're not gonna talk about this. You're either gonna come or you're not gonna come. So Elijah has to get off of everything and run after him. Like, whoa, whoa let's have, wait one second. Can I, can I go back and just tell my father and mother goodbye? Doesn't seem like a huge request, does it? Verse 20 says, go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Just as Elijah just, it doesn't really translate right for us, but this is just Elijah challenging him, just sounding like, hey, don't go back and think about what could be or what should be. Just go back, do your goodbyes. Don't try to get out of it. But remember, I've passed the torch. It's time for you to come on. So then we say, well, what's Elijah gonna do? Is, is he gonna go home, Elisha? What's he, is he gonna go home and remember or see his girlfriend or see his parents or see his career, see the barn, see the post on the wall, go, hey, I can't leave this. I, I, I can't go, like, I can't do this. Verse 21 says, so Elijah left him, went back. Look at this, this has to blow your mind. So Elijah left him, went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate it. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. If there's anybody who goes all in, it is Elisha. The text doesn't tell us about him going home and saying goodbye. It tells us he took his oxen, his carts, he killed them and burnt them. This is the equivalent of you taking your college degree and burning it up. This is the equivalent of you selling your company, not putting the profits, not hedging your bets, not saying, hey, just in case a rainy day, burning your entire business up and walking away. He doesn't say just in case, well, maybe I'll save for later. Maybe, you know, I could sell this and then maybe I could invest in here. When I get back, my he's like, uh-uh, I'm burning it all up. I'm killing my livelihood. There is no going back. Convicting, isn't it? He says, I'm all in. There's nothing gonna stop me from doing what God's asked me to do. He's betting his entire life on God. See, Elijah was willing to move on limited information. Who wants to know everything before we're taking the next step? Yeah, it's not gonna happen, just let you know. We gotta be willing to move on limited information. He's willing to change all of his plans. He's willing to let everything go, not symbolically, but he literally burns his stuff up. You see, when you go all in, the only choice is to go forward. There, there's nothing left to go back. You've pushed it in. You can't go back. There's nothing left for you back. You just say, no, I'm going forward with what God has for me to do. And I know we're thinking, well, Brian, surely, you know, God doesn't expect me to do something like that. I mean, maybe that's just for powerful prophets. Maybe that's just for pastors or something like that. But surely he doesn't expect, you know, somebody like me to go all in for him. And I'm here to tell you, he does. And you should. See, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus actually alludes to this story. We see someone who comes up and says, hey, I, Jesus asked one guy to follow him. He says, well, I don't even have to, a place to live. Excuse me. The guy comes up to Jesus and says, I'll follow you. And Jesus is like, well, I don't even have a place to live. You wanna follow me? You have to give up your comforts. We're like, well, that mattress though. I mean, it's comfortable, so not too sure, Jesus. Another person asks Jesus, says, Jesus says, come follow me. He's like, well, I gotta go follow, bury my father first. I mean, I can't leave. Like, 
Jesus is like, well, let the dead bury the dead. And you're like, I mean, really? Jesus is like, you need to rearrange your priorities if you're gonna follow me. We're like, yeah, but I got things to do, Jesus. Another person says, hey, well, let, let me just go tell my family goodbye if I wanna follow you, which is what Elijah does. And Jesus is like, no, don't worry about what's behind you. Don't worry about back there. Just come on right now. Let's go. Don't get caught up with what used to be, what it used to look like. Let's go forward now. Jesus says, don't worry about your comfort. Don't worry about your priorities. Focus on him and his mission first. Now, that doesn't mean you have to burn everything up, although he may ask you to. That doesn't mean you can't have a job or career or live life. That's not his point. Jesus' point is, if you want to follow, then I'm going to lead you. You're not leading me. I'm leading you. You come on when I call, where I direct, where I'm moving. You get on board with what I am doing in this world. Which means for you and I, we have to change our mindsets. See, all of us at some point have viewed faith like this. Look at this next one. It says, how can I leverage God for my glory or my benefit? Right now, all of us, I think, probably start this way. How can I leverage? How can I use all that God is, who he is? How can I use it for me? This is where we focus on what we get from God. This is where we go and get ourselves in a heap of trouble. We do that thing on Saturday night or Friday night or we go to that place or our parents find out and we're going, God, listen, listen, I got a deal. If you get me out of this, then I will go to church. Listen, I'll even go to Sunday school. God, I will read my Bible. You ever pray something like that? Then you didn't have a fun teenage years, did you, okay? Or maybe you had good teenage years. This is where we make a mess out of life and then we're like, hey God, if you show up then. And I bet the vast majority of us start like this. If you came to faith in Christ because you didn't wanna go to hell, you came so he would get you out of something. I remember hearing preachers say all the time, well, if you don't wanna go to hell, you need to say this prayer. I said, that's easy. What prayer do I need to say? Let me just go ahead and say it with you. This is when we're saying, God, what can I get from you? How can you get me out of something else? But think about it, this type of faith is about whom? Me. What can I get from God? What is God going to give me? What is God going to do for me? This is really about you. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe no one's told you any different, but that's, that's not the question. This isn't where he wants us to stay. Maybe this is where we start, but this isn't where we finish. The better question is, how can I leverage all that I am? How can I leverage all that I am, my resources, my talents, my abilities, all that makes me, me, for the glory or the benefit of God? This is where you're all in. You hold nothing back. You realize that he is the creator. We are merely creatures. Everything in this world is his. We deserve nothing, but because of his grace, because of his mercy, he chooses to be a part of our lives and we get to spend time with him. And instead of looking at what we can get from him, we think, hey, what can I give to him? This is the idea that we bring glory to God. It's not about what I can get from him, but what can I do and give for him? How can I make his name great? 
And see, this is where we go, well, it doesn't matter what my finances are, I'm gonna be faithful. It doesn't matter what my plans are. God, I'm pretty strategic, I know a lot of stuff. It, it doesn't matter how smart I am at planning things out. We go, well, if he intervenes, I'll go with his plans. It doesn't matter what he asks, you go, hey, it's all yours anyways. So I'm all in. So we're all in for him. That rhymes, you remember that, right? All in for him. See, asking God, how can I leverage God for my benefit is such a small thing to live for. Do you realize compared to God, your life is very small? You have a very limited influence, but saying how can I leverage all that I am for God's glory allows me to take part, allows you to take part of something so much bigger, so much grander, something bigger and greater than you can ever imagine. The story of your life will maybe be 90 to 100 years if you're lucky. The story of what God's doing in this world is continuing and it's been going on for a very long time. It's been around before you and it's gonna go on after you. You see, when God called Elijah, well, he burnt it all up. Jesus says, you better get ready to go all in, be willing to give it up. You go, yeah, but I have these things, Brian. But what I want you to see is those aspects of your life that you are holding on to, that you don't wanna give him, those areas that are off limits are causing you to miss a greater faith, a better faith, a more exciting, adventurous faith for the Lord. You will see time and time again in the scriptures, God uses those who hold on to the least. Those who are willing to give it all up, he uses in amazing ways. Those who are holding on to, he's like, yeah, no, you gotta give that up first. Because what you see, these things, our money, our jobs, our gifts, our relationships, they weren't given to us to compete with God. Think about it. They weren't given to us to compete with God. They were given to us so we could bring God glory. We use them to make him known. We use them to worship him. There's a big difference. And what's so crazy, you're gonna give it all up anyways. You're gonna lose it all at the end of the day anyways. Your comfort, your money, your job, your, everything will be gone one day anyways. We're gonna look at this conversation Jesus is having with his disciples. It's one of those conversations you hope he doesn't have with you. It's where he tells them they gotta be willing to give up everything, carry an instrument of death, and then come with them. You know, deny yourself, take up a cross. And they're just like, you know, this is a little too much. This is a little too hard. This is just a little too challenging. But Jesus says, Let's think about this. He says in verse uh, Mark, chapter eight, verse 35, he says, well, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Now, is this true? Okay, no matter how hard you try to save your life, the death rate is still what? 100%, hasn't been beaten yet. I'm pretty sure it's still 100%. So no matter how hard you try to save your stuff and your life and everything that makes you you, guess what you're gonna do at the end of it? All right, you're gonna give it up. That's the reality. Your education, your talents, your relationships, your company, your title, all of it, you will give up one day. And if you leave it to your kids, they're gonna blow it all. Did you know that? If not the second, the third generation. Look at the statistics. It's really depressing. I'm just letting you know. Okay, and then Jesus blows our mind. He says, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. She says, well, there's another way to live. Instead of trying to save everything and hold on to everything, instead of trying to clench too tightly, and, and instead of trying to control that what you're gonna give up anyways, Jesus says, look, 
you could just give it up now and gain something better. If you try to focus on saving you, you're, you're just gonna die. If you focus on giving it up, you will live. You see, if you, if you give it up for the gospel, if you give it up for Jesus, if you say, hey, nothing's off limit, there's this life he tells us we will have. He says, this has some eternal consequences. Verse 36, he said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Meaning, how good would it be to gain everything you've ever wanted, but then give up what's in here? Your soul, the eternity. I mean, how many horses would it take? I mean, how many houses, how many cars? What would be good enough to say, you know what, I'm willing to forfeit my soul? And we're like, well, nothing. So what good would it be to gain everything you've ever wanted on this earth that, that we've just discussed you're gonna give up anyways just to forfeit your soul? We're like, well, that wouldn't be good. And I know what makes us uncomfortable. Jesus does that to us all the time. But he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? And then look at this next one. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What's more valuable than your soul? <laughs> what are you trying to cling to that's more important than the stuff on the inside, this soul, the place that will live beyond? I mean, what amount of wealth is worth that? We'd say, well, another way to understand this is what would, this is where you can compare, what would anyone give in exchange for their soul? Think about this. Let's say you die and you're sitting in front of God and everything you have is left behind on earth, right? Can, how many of you, can you take it with you? We're like, well, no, we already know that. Okay, yeah, we can't take it with us. And so when you're sitting there in front of the Father and nothing else is with you, what on earth would you give up in exchange for your soul? You, you have none of it with you, so what would you give up? You'd be like, well, I don't care. I don't even have it anyways. I'd give it all up. It's down there. He's like, exactly. None of this stuff is more important anyways. You know at the end of the day, you'd give it up for your soul, for what happens afterwards. So why not give it up now? Why cling to it now? He's saying, you already agree with me. That stuff you're clinging to that you don't wanna go all in on, those things that are holding you back, he's like, but you already agree it's not more important. You already agree you can't take it with you. You already agree it's not gonna work out in the end like that. So Jesus says there's a different way to live that you can give it up now and gain something so much better, so much greater. You see, if you believe there's life after this, it'll change the way you live. If you believe there is no life afterwards, well, that's different. But if you believe there's an eternal life, something after this, it will really change the way you steward and manage your things. Because no matter what your title is, someone else will have it. No matter how great your company is, it won't last forever. Do you know no matter how great of a parent is, in a couple of generations, they won't even know your name? Think I'm wrong? What's your great, great, great father? You're like, I don't have a clue. Exactly. We spend so much time trying to make ourselves great and they're not going to remember us. Jesus, there's a different way. 
Live for something so much greater. And so for us today, when we think about going all in, I just ask you, what's holding you back? What are you holding back from God? What's stopping you from being completely committed, fully committed to Jesus Christ? What areas off limits where you're like, yeah, you just can't touch that, Lord? You see, going all in for Jesus is the only thing worth going all in for. And so for you, maybe the question you need to start asking instead of saying, hey, what can I get from God? Or how can I leverage God for my benefit? You start asking, how can I leverage all that I am for the benefit of God? How can I make God known this week? What can I do to worship him a little bit deeper this week? And I know it's scary. I was so scared that if I gave God my life, he was gonna make me a missionary in the middle of the jungle. I'm not joking. And then do you know, years later, I wanted to be a missionary in the middle of the jungle and he said, no. It rocked me. I've realized that God's not gonna make me do things I hate. His goal isn't to make my life miserable. God is for me. And God's gonna use what I am good at for his benefit and his glory. And I know it's scary, but do you know what's even scarier? Coming to the end of your life knowing that you played it safe, knowing that you were too scared to step out on faith, knowing that you were too worried about stuff that you're gonna leave behind anyways, and serving the creator you're about to meet. That's much scarier. And so what do you need to let go of? And remember, the person who asks you to live like this, the person who says, come on, go all in, I got you, went all in for you. He didn't hold anything back. Remember, Jesus on the cross gave his life up for us. He died instead of us. He died for us. We're united because of what he gave up in death through him and then he raised to life so we will be raised to life. He said, hey, watch what I do for you. So he says, I got you. You wanna know how much I love you? You're scared and you're nervous. You wanna know how much I love you? I'll go to the cross. This will show you because God demonstrated his love for us. But while we were sinners, Christ did what? Die. The demonstration of what God will do with you when you give him your all is on the cross. His love is greater than you can possibly imagine. You see, when we're holding things back from God, you already know this, we're living like this, right? Closed fist, holding it on. What can you receive if your fists are closed? You grab something like this. But imagine if you lived open-handed. What can you receive? And what can you give away? See, this is the life that Jesus asked us to live, not like this, but like this. Because you were willing to let go and receive from the Lord, not just clench. And so what's your next step of faith? Maybe for you, it's serving God with your gifts and the talents that he's given you. Maybe it's committing yourself to First Baptist Church. You've been here for a while and you're like, you know what, I really need to be serious and I'm gonna become a part of it. Maybe it's joining Sunday school. Maybe it's being baptized. Maybe you've never been baptized by immersion. Maybe it's time for you to go, you know what? Now's the time for me to go public with my faith. 
Maybe it's playing an instrument in the band. We, we got a band, you wanna play the drums? Come on, you wanna play a bass guitar? You can do it. You wanna sing in the choir? Rocky will let you. I mean, you got music talented abilities, we'd love for you to help us worship God. Maybe it's helping with children. Maybe it's giving financially. Maybe it's taking that new job. Maybe it's moving. I don't know, but you do. What is God asking you to do? What's that next step of faith? Just be ready to go all in for him. It's worth it. Will you pray with me? And while we pray, I wanna ask you to do something that's gonna be very uncomfortable. Can, can you open your hands up like this? Especially for you type A guys, it's gonna be very uncomfortable. How do I know? Because I know, okay? It feels very submissive. It feels very, and it doesn't seem like much, but doing this makes you feel vulnerable. Try it, look, everybody do this real quick. Go, Chris, you too, yeah. Makes you feel vulnerable, doesn't it? It's uncomfortable. But will you just do this? We're all gonna close our eyes so we won't see you, those who aren't. Do this and I'm gonna pray for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, and we're coming to you with our palms up, open-handed, ready to give, ready to let go of whatever's holding us back from following you. We're ready to receive the new directions in life, the new next step of faith. God, I believe that we believe that going all in for you is the only way to live, but it's scary, it's nervous and nerve-wracking, and we're just not sure what that may look like, but God, we know that you love us, we trust you. So God, as we're sitting here with open palms and it's uncomfortable and makes us feel vulnerable and, and kind of scared, just send your spirit to give us comfort and peace, give us direction and guidance. God, so we can go all in for the gospel. Father, there are some here today who've never given their life to you and we pray that they will fill your spirit this morning. That maybe they've been in church for 20, 30 years. Maybe they've been here for two months. They realize they've never committed. They've never professed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray that your spirit will move in their life and they'll know. Father, hear our hearts, hear our fears. We're scared. Comfort us and guide us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.